is the Cloud Now Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud Now Podcast. My name is Michael. And my name is Andreas. We are brothers and freelancers focusing on Amazon Web Services. We do technical coaching, for example, for teams that start their journey with AWS, and infrastructure bootstrapping, typically based on our infrastructure as code templates for our clients worldwide. Every other week, we discuss a topic related to AWS in this podcast. One of us prepares the topic, which is not known to the other one. So the question is, what's the subject today, Andreas? Yeah, Michael. So today we will talk about how to scale container clusters on AWS and how to do so for the ECS, the Elastic Container Service, as well as EKS, the Elastic Kubernetes Service. Um, so how to make sure that you have enough compute capacity available for your containers. Okay, so I see. I think we are going a little bit into the details, if I understand you correctly. But before we get started... Can you give a short like, explanation of what's the difference between ECS and EKS? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so first of all, I think, um, as we all know, containers are a very powerful tool to streamline your development and deployment process. Um, but um, a container cluster, um, so a cluster of EC2 instances that you deploy your containers to, adds a lot of co complexity to your infrastructure because you're no longer only managing virtual machines, but on top now, you have to manage containers as well. But still, you have to manage the virtual machines. So you have basically two problems now when deploying your applications um, uh, as a container to a container cluster. So um, instead of only scaling virtual machines, you need to scale containers. You have to think about how to do patching, updating of those machines, and so on. Um, so that's basically uh, what we will talk about today. So, And um, the difference between ECS and EKS, to come back to your question, um, so the Elastic Container Service is um, a fully managed container cluster management service offered by AWS. Um, we can use it uh, for free, so we only pay for the compute resources that we use. Um, the, the downside of ECS is you can only use it on AWS, um, it's a yeah, it's a solution that is only available on AWS. And the Elastic Kubernetes service um, basically brings the popular open source uh, cluster management um, to AWS. So what we get from from AWS is a is a managed control plane for your Kubernetes cluster. This is a this is a good thing <laughs> because managing that your own is is a complete other story. Um, so basically, you get a fully managed um, cluster control plane management from from AWS with AKS, which is um, yeah, which is a great approach. So the only downside I would say of AKS is uh, it costs you around eighty dollars per month per cluster, and um, yeah, you typically need more than one cluster because you should not deploy um, multiple workloads to the same cluster because of isolation problems. Okay, Andreas, um, I understand. So you already mentioned that there are two different approaches on AWS, um, so ECS and EKS. So what are the um, solutions that AWS offers for the problems that you mentioned? So how can we make our lives easier to scale 
the cluster. So what options are available? Yeah. So the thing is, what we need to run our containers is we need, we need a compute infrastructure. So at the end, you need some servers where you can place your containers on. Um, so one thing um, that we can do is uh, we can spin up um, EC2 instances. Uh, and AWS offers some tools that we will dive into uh, uh, soon um, that help us to do so. So that help us to automate the process of spinning up and managing EC2 instances. But um, before we t dive into those details, uh, which is what we will talk about today, I want to mention that um, there is a complete other approach that you can use uh, with both e ECS and AKS, which is AWS Fargate. And uh, Fargate is a fully managed and scalable container infrastructure um, offered by AWS, and you don't need to manage virtual machines anymore at all. So with Fargate, ACS and AKS can launch containers directly on the uh, machines and the infrastructure that is operated by AWS. So we can remove virtual machines from our infrastructure, from our architecture completely, which decreases uh, complexity significantly. So, therefore, I highly recommend to use Fargate instead of EC2 instances in your container clusters whenever possible. Unfortunately, there are a few showstoppers for Fargate. So, Fargate is, is, is newish, <laughs> so it's, it's around for some years, but it's still, I would say, early days. So, there are a few, um, yeah, few reasons why you probably cannot use Fargate. So, one is, for example, Fargate for AKS is only available in 8 of 22 regions. Um, Fargate for AKS only supports the application load balancer as a load balancer type. Um, then both Fargate AKS and ECS offer a maximum of 4 CPUs and 30 gigabyte memory per container or per group of containers, which is called task or pods. And um, also... Sometimes important, Fargate does not provide specialized hardware. So you won't find memory optimized, storage optimized, GPUs, whatever, um, with Fargate. So basically you get a, um, uh, yeah, a standard uh, virtual machine underneath. So no special, um, no, no, no way to yeah, use specialized hardware here. And last but not least, um, the pricing options um, to reduce costs are limited. So that's especially true uh, for Fargate with AKS, um, but also compared to yeah, running your own EC2 instances and the spot market there and the reserved instance or uh, savings plans there, um, the, the options that you have with Fargate are more limited. So that might be a few options why using Fargate uh, is not an option uh, for you and then uh, we are back to spinning up EC2 instances and managing a cluster. And that's what we want to talk about today. Okay, great. So um, I can also like highly recommend using Fargate. So it's it's basically a way to run Docker uh, containers without thinking about the infrastructure. So that's really cool. And you can access Fargate over the ECS or the EKS API. So um, you can basically decide how you want to use it, um, but um, it's always um, running your container. So that's really cool. Okay, Andreas. Um, so I think um, it's time to start with what kind of options we have for running um, or scaling on, if you run on EC2, if you cannot use Fargate. Yeah. 
So um, I want to dive into three different options um, to manage your container cluster, which means tools that AWS offers or approaches that you can use to scale and manage EC2 instances for your ECS or for your AKS cluster. And we will have a look at three different options. So we will start with ECS with cluster autoscaling. So cluster autoscaling is a feature that AWS announced um, at the end of last year. And it's basically a feature that helps us to, to scale and manage our EC2 instances. Um, because this approach has some downsides, I will also talk about a, a do-it-yourself solution for scaling ECS clusters based on CloudWatch events and metrics. And um, the third option we will talk about is how to do cluster management when using AKS, so when using Kubernetes. And um, we will have a look at the Kubernetes cluster autoscaler and manage node groups. So those are the three options that we want to dive into um, and yeah, have a deeper look at. Are you ready for that, Michael? Or any questions before we start? Uh, no, I'm ready. So um, I think we start with ECS and the uh, new autoscaling mechanism. Yeah. So um, AWS announced the so-called cluster autoscaling for ECS in December 2019. So this was a huge improvement because before that, there was basically no built-in way to scale the number of EC2 instances for your ECS cluster. So the default way that basically AWS was recommending through their management console and everywhere is they were creating an autoscaling group that were spinning up EC2 instances with the optimized uh, Amazon machine image for ECS. Um, but the cluster, the autoscaling group was static. It was not uh, increasing or decreasing the desired capacity automatically. It was just static. And this was, of course, frustrating a little bit because you could not spin up containers and turn down containers as you wanted. The, the cluster size kept the same at all times, so you had problems with uh, scaling up, but also, of course, with uh, scaling down, which is uh, at least <laughs> uh, has at least the same importance as, as scaling up. So, um, um, Michael, you and I, we, we came up with an approach. We had some, yeah, we basically with some lambda functions and stuff. We tried to to solve that problem and uh, to be able to scale up the cluster automatically. And it was always kind of hacky and not really. Um, yeah, the, the best solution you would really want to when, when running such things in production. It, it kind of worked, um, but it's, it was very limited um, to, to come up with your own solution. So it was very cool, and I was really happy to hear <clears throat> that um, AWS was tackling that problem um, with uh, cluster auto-scaling. Um, and then, um, as always, when AWS announces a new feature nowadays, um, the first thing I, I found out when... I wanted to test cluster autoscaling was it's not supported in CloudFormation. <laughs> um, and so uh, I thought, okay, I will come back to cluster autoscaling as soon as they uh, launch cl uh, CloudFormation support for that feature, which hasn't happened until today, by the way. So almost half a year later, we're still waiting for CloudFormation <laughs> support. And um, so I had, a, I had a deeper look in how cl cluster autoscaling works uh, and um, was thinking about building the infrastructure with Terraform. Uh, and I had a look into how cluster autoscaling works. And then I found out a few um, problems uh, with cluster autoscaling. But let me start um, from the beginning. So how does 
ECS with cluster auto scaling work. So first of all, um, AWS announced a new feature for ECS, which is called um, capacity providers. And the, the thing with uh, capacity providers is um, AWS also introduced uh, a new, or they extended the life cycle for an ECS task. So just, just to, to get that quickly, an ECS task is a group of containers that you want to launch on the same machine. So it could be only one ta uh, container, it could be multiple containers that you want to run uh, together, for example, sidecar containers, stuff like that. Um, so um, the, the, um, the capacity provider also introduced a new um, state um, that an ECS task um, can, can uh, go through in its life cycle, and this is called provisioning. So, which means when you have a capacity provider configured for your ECS cluster, when you create a new task, it will go into state provisioning until there is uh, an EC2 instance or a Fargate um, uh, resource available to schedule that, that container, that task. So that is new, and this is important to be able to scale up um, because now you have some time. Basically, you have a queue of containers that want to start and you now have time to scale up your EC2 instances. That's basically a new concept that was not um, something that was not possible before. Okay, I see. So the behavior before was that when I started, when I launched a task, and, and by the way, if you are familiar with the uh, Kubernetes uh, terminology, the task is basically the pod. So if you wanted to launch a task on ECS before that change, and there was no capacity available in the cluster, it just failed. And now the task stays in the provisioning state and waits for some time, on, uh, hoping that that capacity will increase and it can be launched. Yeah, exactly. And I think, when, if I remember correctly, the timeout for that is 30 minutes. Uh, and um, it works for both. It works for tasks that are started out of a service. It also works for tasks that you create kind of manually by calling the API. So in both approaches are covered here, um, which is great. So that is, that is one important aspect of the new cluster autoscaling feature. Okay, so the second aspect is um, the cluster autoscaling also writes a new CloudWatch metric, which is named Capacity Provider Reservation. And that basically um, is a metric that tracks the utilization of your ECS cluster or the overcapacity or undercapacity in your cluster. And uh, cluster autoscaling uses that metric to scale your autoscaling group. So they have a tracking policy um, that, for example, tries to achieve 100% uh, cluster utilization, which basically means that um, <coughs> you only have as many EC2 instances as you need to run your task uh, and no overcapacity. But you can configure that if you want to. You can have overcapacity if you want um, yeah, to maybe yeah, improve the, or reduce the latent or the time it takes to spin up a new uh, task in your cluster. So that is the other thing, um, that capacity provider reservation metric um, that they then use uh, with a, a tracking um, scaling policy um, to scale down and scale up the autoscaling group. So basically increase or decrease the desired capacity. And the idea is um, that this works without affecting any other interactions with your autoscaling group. 
so in theory, you could still have other auto-scaling mechanisms in place um, that kind of um, yeah, work together with, uh, with that way of scaling the cluster. Um, so this is uh, important. So uh, I have to mention, before we go deeper into that, so there is a blog post from AWS, which is called Deep Dive on Amazon ECS Cluster Auto-Scaling. Um, so this is where AWS describes in detail how they calculate the capacity provider reservation metric, how everything works with scaling in detail. Um, so if you're interested in more details, um, then we will dis uh, dis discuss now. Check out that uh, link that you will find in the show notes uh, to this podcast episode. So, um, so yeah, so we have discussed now we have that uh, new feature with the new easy uh, as task state, which is provisioning. We have a new metric that we can use um, to scale. Um, so there's a few more things. But um, before I go on, Michael, do we have any questions so far? Uh, so I have one question. So um, you mentioned that the task now goes into the provisioning state before it is uh, launched. So is there a way for users uh, of ECS to hook into this process or like for um, the auto-scaling group, we have these hooks, like lifecycle hooks, they are called, I, I think. Uh, so is there something like this in, in, in ECS? So can I, like if a task is in uh, the provisioning state, is there some way for me to, to, to do something or um, how does it work? Um, so I, I couldn't find anything related to that. So I, I looked for some ways to, to basically build my own capacity provider or something like that, but I couldn't find a way to do so. Uh, maybe I missed something, but I, I could not find anything. So if you know, <laughs> if our listeners know something uh, that I haven't seen, please uh, leave us a comment or, or write us an email. Um, yeah, but I don't think there is a, uh, such a thing, unfortunately. Uh, scaling out your cluster. So increasing the number of EC2 instances now works. So we have the new state, we have the capacity provider reservation, and based on that, um, the tracking policy can basically um, scale out a cluster, increase the number of EC2 instances. And now the, the other way around um, is important. Um, so how do we scale in? How do we remove EC2 instances from our ECS cluster? Uh, and this is where um, it gets interesting. So because, first of all, the first thing is that I, that I didn't expect is as, as long as there is a single task running on an ECS instance, on an EC2 instance, ECS will not try to reduce the number of EC2 instances in the cluster. So the metric capacity provider reservation um, will not um, reflect an overcapacity as long as you have a single task running on each machine. Also, if and uh, that task only uses a very small fraction of that machine, um, ECS, the ECS capacity provider and cluster auto-scaling will not try, uh, not even try um, to scale uh, in, so to reduce the number of EC2 instances. Um, so this, is <laughs> this might be a good thing when you look at it from an AWS perspective. <laughs> no, uh, I'm kidding. So the idea behind that is... so. Um, AWS has written down their design goals for their cluster auto-scaling, and their design goal is they don't want to interrupt running ECS tasks uh, under no circumstances. Uh, so when you, when you think about that, in, in, from that direction, it makes sense that you 
uh, do not even try to reduce the number of EC2 instances in the cluster as soon as long as there is a single task running on the machine. So that's um, yeah, that's just a, a design decision uh, from the very beginning. Um, so that's one thing. So, but when um, there is uh, an instance uh, in our ECS cluster that runs no containers, that runs no single tasks, uh, and there are no tasks in the queue to being scheduled on an EC2 instances, then um, that will, ref will be reflected in the capacity provider reservation metric. And then um, the auto-scaling group, the tracking policy, will um, decrease the number of desired instances. So that's the mechanism how scaling in works. Um, there's one additional feature here that is kind of interesting. Uh, and this is um, um, you, can, you can enable a feature um, that uses uh, termination protection for your EC2 instances in the autoscaling group. So basically that's a feature of autoscaling groups in general. So you can mark certain instances in your uh, autoscaling group um, to be uh, not terminated by the autoscaling group. So you, you enable uh, termination protection for some of your instances or all of your instances in the autoscaling group and then the autoscaling group will not terminate those instances even if the desired capacity is, uh, for example, much lower than the actual running instances. And um, the cluster autoscaling for ECS uses that feature and marks all instances that have running tasks, running containers, with a termination protection flag. Uh, so what that means, um, the autoscaling group will make sure to, or by that way, they make sure that the autoscaling group will only terminate uh, an EC2 instances without any running tasks. So that is, again, um, coming from their design goal, they want to make sure that no task gets interrupted because of a downscaling action in the cluster. Um, yeah, so that's, that sounds like a good idea at the beginning, but it, has some, it introduces some problems. Because when you have machines that are marked uh, as with termination protection, you can also not use stuff like um, rolling updates for an autoscaling group from CloudFormation, for example, because CloudFormation cannot <laughs> um, terminate those instances uh, as well. Uh, also, if you try to delete the autoscaling group, if you try to make any changes to your infrastructure, stuff like that, with, with infrastructure as code, this will all not work because those instances are marked as do not terminate under all circumstances. And um, yeah, so that, that basically causes problems, um, especially, I think, if you use infrastructure as code, uh, as, as code approaches to manage your infrastructure. And the other thing um, that is, I think, very important is um, that, um, yeah, you cannot downscale your cluster uh, as far as you could, uh, because as long as there's one in one single task running on a machine, you will not be able to downscale your cluster. Okay, so I I think I can like try to summarize this um, to make sure that I understand everything correctly. So everything is kind of related to this uh, design goal that you mentioned that the ECS capacity provider uh, team or however they are called think that it's a good idea to never interrupt a running task. And mm -hmm. because of that, you basically lose lots of uh, flexibility. Um, 
So that's interesting because I'm not sure if someone expects a container to run forever. So I wouldn't. Um, but that's, I mean, that's interesting that, that, that this is the design goal. Um, but if you keep this in mind, it also makes sense that they don't support rolling updates because it would also interrupt the workload. The question is, how does it work without updating the cluster? But um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure if that design goal makes, uh, or is like a good goal to uh, have, but okay, so I see. Um, so I think if, if this is the goal, then it makes sense, um, but I'm not sure if that's a good goal. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so at least from my perspective, I, I don't understand uh, that design decision. Um, there, there might be AWS customer probably <laughs> that, that need that. Uh, behavior for some reasons because probably you have a more static ECS cluster. Maybe if you have a more um, traditional approach of managing your infrastructure, maybe then it's important. I don't know, but I also think um, it's it's a little bit unusual, uh, let's say, to 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 use containers in such a way. But that's how it is. Yeah, that's the design decisions. And I think the most important problem here is really um, um, when you use uh, ECS with cluster auto scaling in in the current. Uh, in the current way it works with the current feature set, um, you will end up with a cluster uh, with over-provisioned capacity. So we will pay much more for your EC2 instances than you really need to pay because you will have a lot of instances probably running only uh, very few, very small containers at the end. Um, so of course, it, it depends on how you, uh, how you have, um, do, you, do you spin packing um, when you uh, launch your containers and stuff like that. So you can try to work around it, at, um, around these uh, limitations a little bit. But at the end, um, you will never be the most cost-effective. Uh, it, it will never be the most cost-effective way to run an ECS cluster. And that's, I think, um, important to note. Yeah, because uh, they will not try to scale in as, as long as there's a single task running on the machine. Um, that's, I think, the, the biggest um, problem I have with uh, ECS with cluster auto scaling. Um, so when you read on GitHub and and everywhere where they have their public container roadmap and so on, other customers are asking for that feature as well. And AWS has mentioned um, that they are thinking about how to to fix that, how to implement that for customers that want to be able to to scale in their clusters to a minimum. Um, but but that's the current feature set that we have, so we never know <laughs> when we, when that will change in the future. What about this? Like I I heard or I read somewhere that there's I'm not sure if this is for auto scaling or the capacity providers, but the reason why it's not supported in CloudFormation seems to be that the API does only support creation and the create and read uh, methods basically. So they they don't support update and delete, so that's why the automation cannot really work. So, what what's the what's the the the, the story behind this design? Is this also a design goal? You can only create stuff, or <laughs> I've I have no idea, Michael. I don't know. It it maybe it's just um, an early version of of the whole thing. <laughs> they, they just had the time to implement uh, update and delete. I don't know. It it sounds simple, but you never know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but but that's the that's the state of ECS with cluster auto scaling the new features. So um, when you think about using it, maybe think twice <laughs> if it really matches with uh, with your uh, requirements for cluster auto scaling. Okay, so um, I was a little bit frustrated with that, and I, we had a, a consulting client that was asking for 
um, yeah, reducing the cluster size to minimum to optimize costs. You know, it's it's coronavirus times, and everyone is trying to reduce costs um, to minimum. And um, this was why I was thinking about: is there another approach um, to do a do-it-yourself solution for ECS uh, cluster auto scaling? And um, so I mentioned before that um, Michael, we, both we both had a working solution in our open source CloudFormation templates before. This was uh, using Lambda functions and calculating our own metric, basically a similar approach um, that, than what AWS is now doing. And we were scaling based on that metric and so on. And um, this, was, this was working kind of, <laughs> it was kind of working. It had some problems, for example, Uh, we could not. We always needed a spare instance in the cluster, which was also introducing a lot of overcapacity. And I was thinking about another uh, solution to that problem. And um, then I had a look at the features that has had been announced in the last uh, year for ECS, and I tried to come up with a new solution for the problem. And I found uh, a solution for building do-it-yourself auto-scaling for ECS. And I want to dive a little bit deeper in in how that could work. And I've also implemented a sample uh, solution for that. So you will find a link to our uh, open source CloudFormation templates in the show notes if you want to have a look into an implementation uh, of this approach um, that you could use. So how does it work? So uh, I'm using two mechanisms um, to scale the ECS cluster. So also I'm using the same approach. I'm using an auto-scaling group that spins up EC2 instances, those register at the ECS cluster. So that's basically the same. But the question is now, how do I uh, increase or decrease the desired capacity for my autoscaling group? And um, to, to scale out, so to increase the number of uh, machines, uh, I'm using a new CloudWatch event. So an ECS service um, that tries to spin up a task and cannot do so because there is not enough capacity to start a new task on one of the EC2 instances, um, this task will now create and publish an, an, a CloudWatch event, uh, which is called service task placement failure. So this is a CloudWatch event that we can use um, to scale out our cluster. So whenever we receive that event from our ECS cluster, uh, from, a, from a service running in that cluster, Uh, we can just increase the number of EC2 instances by one. Um, so this is uh, a way to to scale uh, out. Uh, I have one question here. Um, so just to make sure that I get this uh, right. So this event is fired if the placement failed. This doesn't mean that the task is in the provisioning state. It really means it has failed. Is this correct? Yeah, so in, in, in that scenario, I'm not using the capacity provider. Uh, so I don't get this new uh, ECS task state provisioning. So this is only uh, available for ECS clusters with a capacity provider, which I don't use in my scenario. So I, I don't have that state. Um, so this is also a limitation of my approach, of my DIY approach here, is it only works... Uh, when you have ECS services. So if you start tasks only by ECS services, this approach works. Uh, if you start a task manually or by triggering the API, you will get a failure out of capacity and the task will not start. Okay. Um, so in that case, you have to 
increase the capacity manually or something, but it's, there's, no, there's no automatic way in that case, in that scenario. So it only works for services, um, which is in many scenarios that, that we use ECS fine because we often only use as services to start tasks, but, but that's a limitation. Here. Okay, and the reason why it works is that the ECS service tries new tasks, like if a task placement failed, they will retry and that's why it works exactly so if you start a task manually like manually without an ecs service if you use a step function that has retried will also work uh, no <laughs> because then the cloudwatch event will never fire so this really is only fired from the service it's a it's an event originating from the ecs service okay so that's why it's called service task placement failure. okay i see mm -hmm. okay cool okay so yeah it's really it's really limited to that um, yeah, so that's that's a way to scale out. So to make that work, uh, what we need is we basically need a CloudWatch event rule that filters for those events only from a specific cluster, only with the specific type, uh, type the service task placement failure type. And then um, we need to trigger a Lambda function because that's the only way to modify an auto-scaling group um, out of a CloudWatch event. So... The way it works is we have the CloudWatch event rule. Um, the event rule will trigger a Lambda function, and the Lambda function will then execute a scaling policy uh, on the auto-scaling group to increase the desired capacity. So that's basically the mechanism that we use here to, to scale out. Um, then the question is, how do we scale in? <laughs> and um, so I have used an approach that is, that is, not, that is not perfect, <laughs> but it um, uh, it's the best uh, the best solution I can came came up with without adding too much complexity to the whole infrastructure template. So what I use um, to scale in um, is I'm using CloudWatch metrics, and I'm using three different metrics. So ECS publishes uh, a CPU reservation and memory reservation metric. Um, so this is a metric that you can use to to find out the overcapacity in your cluster. And I'm using another metric um, that you have to enable. It's not enabled by default. You can enable metrics for auto-scaling groups as well. And then you get uh, a metric for, for example, the desired capacity uh, of your auto-scaling group. And with those three metrics, um, I can calculate, um, is there, can I remove one instance from my cluster um, to to reduce the overcapacity um, and still stay equal or below 100% uh, capacity for CPU or memory reservation. Um, so this is, as I said, it's not it's not perfect, but it's it's close to perfect um, to be able to scale down. And um, so the, the, on the plus side, we only need the CloudWatch alarm with a little bit of metric math. Uh, to get that working, and we trigger a scaling policy to reduce the desired capacity then. Okay, so what's the reason why it's not perfect? So let me, like, my guess is that, I mean, there are circumstances because, I mean, a task needs a certain amount of memory and CPU, and there could be some fragmentation. So, for example, there could be 200 megabytes on every instance, but my task needs 250, so that's why I cannot put it on one of the available instances. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly the, the problem here. Um, so we had another implementation before that I basically removed from our open source template 
which was really calculating the available memory and CPU on each machine and writing a metric um, based on that. This is, of course, much more accurate. But then you need um, to specify the smallest possible task that you want to place in your cluster, CPU and memory-wise. And then you can really make sure that you only scale in if you have um, enough um, or if it's, really, yeah, if it's really possible. But then, yeah, it's, you have other problems because then you probably have a little bit over-provisioning in your cluster um, because you have to specify it for the biggest task that you run. Um, so it's also not perfect. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a DIY solution. <laughs> so so um, you probably need to adapt it to your, um, to your um, scenario a little bit. And, and as you mentioned, I, I mean, the goal here is really to, to, to be as efficient as possible. And, and so if this is not your goal, then that's not a good solution for you. So, Yeah, exactly. Then you can also use the, the cluster order scaling that we discussed before. So there's one more thing um, that also differentiates the solution to the cluster order scaling that AWS is doing. Uh, and this is now, how do we make sure um, that we do not interrupt tasks or how do we make sure to to make that as um, smooth as possible so without causing any downtimes in production, basically? So how does that work? So this was a solution that we had in place before. Um, so um, we are using auto-scaling lifecycle hooks. Um, so when, uh, we, when the auto-scaling uh, policy was triggered uh, and we scaled down um, the number of EC2 instances, um, Autoscaling group will just randomly select, or basically I think it's, it's always selecting the oldest instance by default. It will just select one instance in the cluster and will start terminating those instances. And then we have a lifecycle hook that basically uh, kicks in. And the lifecycle hook that we are using um, is doing uh, two important things. First of all, it tells the ECS cluster that we want to drain this EC2 instance from the cluster. And this is a built-in mechanism from, from ECS, and it tells the cluster to replace the tasks that are running on the EC2 instance uh, with new tasks on the other remaining instances in the cluster. This only works for tasks that are managed by ECS services. So it doesn't work for tasks that you have started manually that are not monitored by an ECS service. Um, but yeah, as I said, it works for ECS services, and then the, the task will get replaced. So it starts new tasks on other machines. The cluster waits for those tasks to become ready and healthy, and then it removes the old run tasks running on the machine that we want to terminate that is in state training now uh, and make sure that yeah, we, are, we are slowly removing those tasks from the machine. And now um, we have another thing in place. Um, the auto-scaling lifecycle hook waits until there is no more running task on the machine. And you can configure a timeout for this that can be up to 24 hours. So we can wait up to 24 hours to terminate that machine. And uh, that is, for example, if you have started a manual task on the machine, um, then if, if that task finishes within 24 hours, um, then basically you won't even uh, have an interruption of tasks that are not part of an ECS service here. So that's, that's the way we make sure to try to not interrupt any running tasks 
uh, as well. Uh, but we still are able to remove uh, EC2 instances from the cluster to, um, yeah, to, to move them to other instances to shrink the capacity even more. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, maybe I just uh, haven't uh, realized it, but the, if an instance, like an ECS instance is set to draining, it, it doesn't only remove like the task and place them to other machines, it will also not accept new ones. Uh, so that's kind of um, a side effect as well. Yeah, and basically it, it sends um, also a stop signal to the running tasks. Um, so if you have placed a task, uh, you have to make sure that the container basically handles that, um, that stop signal coming uh, from, from, from ECS, from the container agent. And then, for example, yeah, finishing up its work, storing its uh, state and so on, and then uh, terminates the process. If you have that in place, then that thing works. Uh, very well, and we have a we have a um, a cluster running that way where we have tasks that that sometimes take up to five hours uh, to complete, and it just it waits until those tasks have finished, and then it terminates the machine. So that works very well. So that's basically a big difference from the DIY auto scaling solution to the built-in cluster auto scaling, because we will remove instances uh, with running tasks but we will make sure to wait until they have completed. And if it's a service, um, the ECS service will make sure that those tasks get replaced with new services on the other machines in the cluster. So that's basically um, the benefits. So the, we have already mentioned a few limitations of the DIY autoscaling solution. Um, I want to mention a few more. So we already said it, it only works for ECS services because scaling out only works when we get that CloudWatch event, which is only or coming from ECS services. Um, that is one uh, problem. The other thing is um, when we miss this event, this um, service task placement failure event, uh, for example, I don't know if because Lambda has a downtime, because I don't know, something is broken for some reason. If we miss... Uh, that event and we are not triggering the autoscaling uh, action, um, then our ECS cluster will get stuck. Because the problem with uh, the CloudWatch event is the service sends it only once. <laughs> so if, it, if the service cannot place the task, it sends the event. And then it waits forever <laughs> and does not resend the event, for example. You get another event um, as soon as something has changed in your cluster. For example, if you launched a new EC2 instance, the service was able to create a new task and it tries to add a second task and it fails again, then you will get a second event. But as long as the state doesn't change, you will not get uh, another event. So basically, the one problem of the DIY solution is it's possible that you get stuck and that your cluster does not scale in in circumstances, for example, where the Lambda function is not working correctly or for some reason, um, the CloudWatch event was not um, triggering or something like that. So it's possible. Uh, this is a possible failure uh, that, that we are not uh, covering here. And of course, the problem with a DIY solution is <laughs> you have a DIY solution <laughs> that, you need to, um, that you need to manage, to monitor, um, to optimize, um, to look for problems. So it adds complexity to your infrastructure. Um, of course, um, so that's that's the downside that we have here. Um, at the plus, on the plus side, 
um, our solution supports rolling updates because we do not use the termination protection at all. And uh, it also tries to uh, reduce the capacity in the cluster to a minimum. So it, it even replaces tasks if needed to do so. So I can maybe summarize that. So for ECS with the cluster autoscaling mechanism that AWS announced last year or with the DIY solution, we don't really get a perfect solution, I would say, for all uh, scenarios. So maybe the cluster autoscaling feature will improve over time. Uh, and also I can think of improving the DIY solution uh, a little bit as well. So for example, right now, after thinking about that whole topic a lot, uh, I'm thinking about it could also be a good idea to mix um, the cluster autoscaling feature from AWS um, with a few Lambda functions that do draining and stuff uh, of instances. So basically reschedule tasks on your own. So this could be uh, another solution uh, to the problem as well. Um, but, but then you have the problem that it's not supported in CloudFormation and it's basically hard to to build that uh, into a CloudFormation template. So that's why I haven't, um, I haven't proceeded with that uh, for the moment. Okay, so I think we covered the ECS part. Um, it's time to move on to, to EKS and JS. Yes, um, so, um, so now we are switching a little bit. To, uh, the topic stays the same. <laughs> we still have to manage EC2 instances, uh, but now for EKS. And for AKS, um, there is uh, basically two things that we can use to make sure to automate the process of scaling and managing EC2 instances for our container cluster. And the first thing is um, called managed node groups. So this is a feature um, from AWS that is built into AKS. Uh, it basically, you can think of it, it's um, it's an integration of the autoscaling group into Kubernetes and AKS. Um, so the managed node group uses uh, uh, an AMI that is optimized for AKS and also um, yeah, it integrates the autoscaling group into the cluster. So it basically makes sure to create uh, the, the autoscaling group in the correct way and um, and or combine that with the with the um, with the cluster with the Kubernetes cluster, so that's one aspect, the managed node group. Um, the other aspect is um, basically a built-in Kubernetes feature, which is called cluster autoscaler. Um, so the cluster autoscaler is not only available with EKS; you can use it when you run uh, Kubernetes uh, on other cloud providers as well. Um, it's just a, yeah, it's a built-in feature in the open source solution. That's what I want to say. And the cluster autoscaler is a tool that also automatically adjusts the number of EC2 instances. And it does so uh, in two different uh, ways. So first of all, whenever there's a pod, so the pod is a group of containers. Um, so basically the equivalent is an ECS task. So whenever, there is, uh, whenever the cluster could not schedule a pod because of insufficient resources, the cluster autoscaler will uh, increase the number of EC2 instances automatically. So that's basically the way um, to scale out. Um, to scale in, the cluster autoscaler constantly uh, monitors the utilization of your EC2 instances. And uh, as soon as there are nodes in the cluster, 
that have been underutilized for, I think it's 15 minutes by default, but you can configure that, or it's 10 minutes, something like that. Um, they will uh, replace, move the parts on the machine and then uh, terminate that machine and uh, remove that from the cluster. So that's basically the way to scale in again. So um, the cluster order scaler um, basically implements the behavior that I would expect <laughs> from cluster order scaler. So uh, it scales out automatically and it cannot place a new pod automatically. So we have a similar mechanism here. The pod stays in a provisioning state. Uh, so it waits basically until the cluster has um, um, launched a new EC2 instances, uh, instance in our case. And uh, then it, it schedules the, the container on that uh, machine. And the other way around works as well. So we have that mechanism that the cluster autoscaler tries to have as reduce the number of EC2 instances as, as much as possible. So it will replace pods if needed to achieve that goal. So that's, that's a really cool thing here, um, which we have out of the box when using uh, Kubernetes and the feature that is called a cluster autoscaler. Um, so to get the cluster autoscaler running, so this is basically a service that runs within your Kubernetes cluster. So to get that running on AWS, you have to um, configure EM role, IM roles. You have to configure the authentication authorization within Kubernetes. So service accounts, granting them access to the IM roles, stuff like that. So it's a lot uh, to configure, um, but there are um, yeah, templates out there to do so, so it's not, uh, it's not too, too complicated to do. Also, um, what is important here is um, the concept of disruption budgets in Kubernetes. So you can define um, disruption uh, budgets for uh, your pods, um, which means you can tell Kubernetes, um, I, I need a minimum of one pods uh, for a specific uh, deployment, specific service, uh, under all circumstances. So that's basically how you tell the cluster, uh, for example, the minimum uh, number of pods that you need for, I don't know, the Redis database or your front end or whatever. Um, and uh, the cluster autoscaler respects those disruption budgets. So when it moves containers, uh, when it thinks about replacing containers, and even if the managed node group is doing uh, an update of the Amazon machine image, uh, all those things respect the disruption budgets. So that's basically the way you tell um, your cluster um, to have a certain amount of instance uh, pods running so that it not causes any downtimes. Um, or those activities with scaling and also updating your cluster do not cause any downtime. So this is an important aspect that you need to think about. Yeah, so so that's basically the cluster autoscaler. It so I found it quite uh, simple. So besides setting up the configuration with IAM and so on, um, I found it quite um, simple, and it it was working very well so far uh, in the project that I have been using it. And I'm I'm really happy with uh, with that solution for managing my EC2 instances for my EKS cluster. Okay, so that sounds good. Um, and I think we are done, Andrea. So do we have a kind of summary or um, what's the best way to 
to finish this up here. Yeah. Yeah, so let me maybe summarize uh, what we have been discussing so far. So first of all, I think, <laughs> so what we learned now, managing EC2 instances can be co a complex thing. Um, so you have all kinds of, uh, add all kinds of complexity. So that is why use Fargate whenever possible. So really try to get rid of that infrastructure layer of virtual machines. You have containers, that's your new compute layer basically, um, try to get rid of the virtual machines and use Fargate to outsource that problem to AWS. So that's the first thing uh, I would um, recommend. The next thing is, um, I think at the moment, uh, EKS with managed node groups and the cluster autoscaler is basically uh, really the, the best way to, to manage a fleet of EC2 instances for your container cluster. Of course, Uh, using Kubernetes has its own story, so you have some disadvantages advantages there. But if you only think about managing your EC2 instances for the cluster, I think uh, AKS and Kubernetes has really implemented that uh, in the best way possible. Um, ECS, so we discussed the problems with the cluster autoscaling. That is the built-in feature that is coming from AWS. So basically the problem we have is it does not move containers to optimize cluster utilization because of their design goal to never interrupt a running task. So that's, that could be a good thing for you, but probably it's a problem because uh, you, you have always a little bit, uh, or maybe even big overcapacity in your cluster. The second problem with cluster order scaling is um, they use that termination protection And this breaks all kinds of rolling updates of your Amazon machine images, all kinds of infrastructure automation breaks, basically, when you have uh, instances that are um, protected from termination. And um, we have also discussed um, the ECS DIY solution. Um, so the problem here is um, that we, have, we are only able to scale out for um, services and not for standalone tasks in that scenario. So that's, I would say, the biggest um, downside of using that approach. Also, what is maybe interesting is the scale-out delay. I haven't talked about that so far. Uh, so how long does it take until um, the auto-scaling group uh, adds a new instance to your cluster uh, from the moment you try to launch a new uh, container in your cluster? And the thing here is... Um, With Fargate, with EKS, and with ECS DIY, uh, the DIY solution, this is basically immediately. So this is event-driven. Yeah? If, if the uh, task cannot be scheduled, if the pod cannot be scheduled, it will immediately create a new instance. Um, the ECS cluster autoscaling, there it takes a little bit longer because there's a CloudWatch metric involved. So you have to wait until a new data point shows up in the CloudWatch metric. And then it takes a little bit until... Um, the tracking policy notices the, the change, and so it takes, I don't know, two or three minutes until um, the autoscaling group will start a new instance from the moment you tried to create your task. So this is another um, difference here that might be interesting to you. Yeah, so that's, that's the summary and the comparison of the different ways of scaling your container clusters. Okay, Andrea. So thank you very much for um, uh, talking about um, different ways of scaling the underlying compute um, infrastructure for container clusters. 
So that was um, I like lots of new things that I learned here. So thank you very much for that. Um, I have one thing to add for our listeners. So if you are uh, convinced that Fargate is the best option here, then we have something for you. Um, Andreas and I released a book called Rapid Docker on AWS. And the goal of the book is that uh, you take your um, application and you dockerize the application and then you spin it up on AWS using Fargate. And uh, after that, you will add a deployment pipeline. So you get a like from an existing application to a modernized dockerized application on AWS with a pipeline. You get everything with lots of examples like PHP example. We have a Java example. We have um, a Ruby uh, on Rails example. We have Python example. I, I'm not, I think we have some other examples. So lots of examples that you can use to make sure that your application uh, can be run on, on, on Fargate, even if it's not yet dockerized at the moment. So if you're interested in this kind of adventure, then check out our book, Rapid Docker on AWS. Um, you will find a link in, in the show notes. So with that uh, announcement, um, I will hand it over to Andreas. And I think um, Andreas does his, uh, like, his usual ending where he uh, asks for all kinds of, of favors from our listeners. Yeah, so thank you very much, Michael, for um, mentioning the Rapid Docker and AWS book. And uh, I have three more things um, before we close this episode. So first of all, thanks for listening. And um, we ask you, our listeners, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other people to find um, the Cloud on Out podcast. Um, also, please uh, share this episode or the blog post um, that summarizes this episode uh, over on LinkedIn, Twitter, or wherever um, you have uh, followers. And uh, last but not least, don't forget to subscribe to the Cloud on Out podcast in your favorite podcast app and make sure you never miss uh, the latest episode. So thanks a lot for listening. We will be back in two weeks. Bye. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>